Good evening. I hope you've had a wonderful day today. Welcome to BVJ's Bedtime Stories. My name is Big Voice J, and this is a show where we get you ready for a great night's sleep with some old familiar stories that you haven't heard in a while. Links to every story can be found in the show notes at our website, bedtimewithbvj.com. Tonight we continue our story, The Girl Who Got Rattled, by Stuart Edward White. We can't make a run for it through this dog town. We've just got to stand him off. He threw down and backed the lever of his old 44 Winchester and softly uncocked his arm. Then he sat down by Miss Caldwell. From various directions, silently, warriors on horseback sprang into sight and moved dignifiedly toward the first comer. Forming at the last a band of perhaps thirty men, they talked together for a moment and then, one by one, at regular intervals, detached themselves and began circling at full speed to the left, throwing themselves behind their horses and yelling shrill-voiced, but firing no shot as yet. They'll rush us, speculated Alfred. We're too few to monkey with this. This is a bluff. The circle about the two was now complete. After watching the whirl of figures a few minutes, and the motionless landscape beyond, the eye became dizzied and confused. They won't have no picnic, went on Alfred, with a little chuckle. Dog holes is bad for them as for us. They don't know how to fight. If they was to come in on all sides, I couldn't handle them. But they always rush in a bunch like fools. And then Alfred became suffused with blushes and commenced to apologize abjectly and profusely for what he had said. The savages and the approaching fight were all she could think of. Suddenly, one of the Sioux threw himself forward under his horse's neck and fired. The bullet went wild, of course, but it shrieked with the rising inflection of a wind squall through bared boughs. Seeming to ever nearer, Miss Caldwell screamed and covered her face. The savages yelled in chorus. This one shot seemed to be the signal for a spattering fire all along the line. Indians never clean their rifles, rarely get good ammunition, and are deficient in the philosophy of hindsights. Besides this, It is not easy to shoot at long range in a constrained position from a running horse. Alfred watched them contemptuously in silence. If they keep that up long enough, the wagon train may hear him, he said finally. Wished we weren't so far to Nord. There. It's coming, he said more excitedly. The chief had paused, and as the warriors came to him, they threw their ponies back on their haunches and sat motionless. They turned the ponies' heads toward the two. Alfred arose deliberately for a better look. Yes, that's right, he said to himself. That's old Lone Pine, sure thing. I reckon we's all got a good fight. The girl had sunk to the ground and was shaking from head to foot. It is not nice to be shot at in the best of circumstances. But to be shot at by odds of thirty to one and... The thirty of an outlandish and terrifying species is not nice at all. Miss Caldwell had gone to pieces badly, and Alfred looked grave. He thoughtfully drew from his holster his beautiful Colts with its ivory handle and laid it on the grass. 
Then he blushed hot and cold and looked at the girl doubtfully. A sudden movement in the group of savages, as the war chief rode to the front, decided him. Miss Caldwell, he said. The girl shivered and moaned. Alfred dropped to his knees and took her shoulder roughly. Look here, he commanded. We ain't got but a minute. Composed a little by the firmness of his tone, she sat up. Her face had gone chalky and her hair had partly fallen over her eyes. Listen to every word, he said rapidly. Those engines is going to rush us in a minute. Perhaps I can break them, but I don't know. And that pistol there, I'll always save two shots, understand? It's always loaded. If I see it's all up, I'm going to shoot you with one of them and myself with the other. Oh, cried the girl, her eyes opening wildly. She was paying close enough attention now. And if they kill me first, he reached forward and seized her wrist impressively. If they kill me first, you must take that pistol and shoot yourself. Understand? Shoot yourself. In the head. Here. He tapped his forehead with a stubby forefinger. Girl shrank back in horror. Alfred snapped his teeth together and went on grimly. If they get hold of you, he said, they'll first take off every stitch of your clothes. And when you're quite naked, they'll stretch you out on the ground with a rawhide to each of your arms and legs, and then they'll drive a stake through the middle of your body into the ground and leave you there to die, slowly. And the girl believed him, because, incongruously enough, even through her terror, she noticed that at this, the most immodest speech of his life, Alfred did not. She looked at the pistol lying on the turf. Horrified fascination. The group of Indians which had up to now remained fully a thousand yards away, suddenly screeched and broke into a run directly toward the dog town. There is an indescribable rush in a charge of savage. The little ponies make their feet go so fast. The feathers and trappings of the warriors stream behind so frantically. The whole attitude of horse and man is so eager that one gets an impression of fearful speed and resistless power. The horizon seems full of Indians. As if this were not sufficiently terrifying, the air is throbbing with sound. Each Indian pops away for general results as he comes jumping along and yells shrilly to show what a big warrior he is, while underneath it all is the hurried monotone of hoofbeats, becoming ever louder as the roar of an increasing rainstorm on the roof. It does not seem possible that anything can stop them. Yet there is one thing that can stop them, if skillfully taken advantage of, and that is their lack of discipline. An Indian will fight hard when cornered, or when heated by lively resistance, but he hates to go into it in cold blood. As he nears the opposing rifle, this feeling gets stronger. So often a man with nerve enough to hold his fire can break a fierce charge merely by waiting until it is within fifty yards or so, and then suddenly raising the muzzle of his gun. If he had gone to shooting at once, the affair would have become a combat, and the Indians would have ridden him down. As it is, each has had time to think. By the time the white man is ready to shoot, the suspense has done its work. Each savage knows that but one will fall, but cold-blooded, he does not want to be that one, since in such disciplined fighters, it is each for himself. He promptly ducks behind his mount, and circles away to the right or the left. 
the whole band swoops and divides like a flock of swift-winged terns on a windy day. This Alfred relied on in the approaching crisis. Girl watched the wild sweep of the warriors with strained eyes. She had to grasp her wrist firmly to keep from fainting, and she seemed incapable of thought. Alfred sat motionless on a dog mound, his rifle across his lap. He did not seem in the least disturbed. It's good to fight again, he murmured, gently fondling the stock of his rifle. Come on, you devils. He, oh, he cried as a warrior's horse went down in a dog hole. I thought so. His eyes began to shine. The ponies came skipping here and there, nimbly dodging in and out between the dog holes. The riders shot and yelled wildly, but none of their bullets went lower than ten feet. The circle of their advance looked somewhat like the surge shoreward of a great wave, and the similarly was heightened by the nodding glimpses of the light eagle's feathers in their hair. This run across the honeycombed plain was hideous, even two Indian ponies, and three went down kicking one after the other. Two of the riders lay stunned. The third sat up and began to rub his knee. The pony belonging to Miss Caldwell, becoming frightened, threw itself and lay on its side, kicking out frantically with its hind legs. At the proper moment, Alfred cocked his rifle and rose swiftly to his knees. As he did so, the mound on which he had been kneeling caved into the hole beneath it and threw him forward on his face. With a furious curse, he sprang to his feet and leveled his rifle at the thick of the press. The scheme worked. In a flash, every savage disappeared behind his pony, and nothing was to be seen but an arm and a leg. The band divided on either hand as promptly as though the signal for such a drill had been given, and swept gracefully around in two long circles until it reined up motionless at nearly the exact point from which it had started on its imposing charge. Alfred had not fired a shot. He turned to the girl with a short laugh. She lay face upward on the ground, staring at the sky with wide-open, horror-stricken eyes. In her brow was a small blackened hole, and under her head, which lay strangely flat against the earth, the grasses had turned red. Near her hand lay the heavy Colt's forty-four. Alfred looked at her for a minute without winking. Then he nodded his head. It was because I fell down that hole. She thought they'd got... He said aloud to himself. Poor little gal. She hadn't ought to have did it. He blushed deeply and turning his face away, pulled down her skirt until it covered her ankles. Then he picked up his Winchester and fired three shots. The first hit directly back of the ear one of the stunned Indians who had fallen with his horse. The second went through the other stunned Indian's chest. Third caught the Indian with a broken leg between his shoulders just as he tried to get behind his struggling pony. Shortly after, Billy Knapp and the wagon train came along. Did you know that this was, uh, this was made into a movie? Uh, from 2018, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs was based on this short story or a variation of this short story. If you haven't seen the movie, I would encourage you to do so. And if you are going to watch the movie, might I suggest Netflix? 
It's just one of the thousands of movies that can safely occupy your time as we go through looking for cool stuff to watch. Enter BVJ in the promo code and it will do absolutely nothing for this is not a sponsored read. I would like to remind you that you can send me public domain stories to read. They must be in the public domain and we'll read them. Email me, bigvoicej at gmail.com. Don't forget to give us a review on iTunes. I'd help spread the word about our little show. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>